KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. You know, it was first class. The Stars were a first class organization, uh, as well run as, as any of them. And uh, we had three really, really successful years. So it was here again. How lucky am I? Three more years in the USFL and three more years of playoffs. Just every year in the NFL playoffs. So it was pretty, uh, pretty lucky. And our guest this week is former Eagles wide receiver, former Philadelphia Stars wide receiver, and Penn State star, Scott Fitzke. Scott, thanks so much for the time. All right. Thanks for having me. So what are you doing these days? Well, I uh, I own a commercial and industrial roofing business that I've had since uh, the late 80s. So 30-some years, I've, I've been doing the same thing. And uh uh, on the side, I coach high school football, and I've always, uh, prior to that, coached a lot of you know kids' uh, youth sports, and so so I've always stayed involved. I have a couple kids that that are athletes, and uh, um, that's kept me pretty busy for the last 35 years. <laughs> so you are a Central Pennsylvania kid, Red Lion High School, correct? Correct. Yep, South Central Pennsylvania. So. Growing up, was football always the top of your depth chart, or were you playing whatever was going on that season? Well, back then, you know, life's different now. Uh, you know, we played football. Once football was op- over, all the football players played basketball, and then we either ran track or uh, played baseball. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, I was uh, whatever season the sport was in, and we even played. I ran track, so I played basketball, football, and track, and then always played summertime baseball. So uh, whatever season was in, that's the sport we played. But of course, football was always my 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 number one love. Why? What drew you to it? Well, number one, we were really good in high school. My, my three years, actually, my, my my three years in junior high and my three years in varsity, we never lost a football game. So uh, and, and you know when when you have success, you know it makes you pretty excited about it. And and we had a lot of good players. Uh, uh, on our team and, and, and we did really well. And, and, you know, I had a, a pretty nice career in high school. So, so that, that made it exciting. Our basketball, we were always okay because we always had football players playing against some basketball players and, you know, basketball is a game and everybody, you know, we love basketball, but I knew I had an opportunity to maybe move forward uh, uh, playing football because of, you know, my high school career. When did you start to get uh, noticed by colleges? I start actually my sophomore year. I and this I hear this story a lot. My sophomore year, I went to a camp up in Lock Haven, PA, outside of Penn State, and and Franny Ganner, who was back then uh, recruiting guy, offensive running back coach, he had seen me uh, at a camp uh, on Lock Haven and, and watched me run. You know, I was a state hundred yard dash champ as a senior. So he watched me run, and and at that point he, I was on their radar. Uh, so so I knew back as a sophomore that you know there was potential. That didn't mean anything as a sophomore back then, but I knew that there was potential if I continued to grow and get better, and uh, that that I would have the opportunity. And then my junior year, you know, I started hearing from from some a lot more schools, and uh, uh, and then then my senior year obviously had an opportunity to make a lot of visits, and I got you know a good bit of offers. Uh, from, from the major college schools. But was Penn State always the leader in the clubhouse? Penn State wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't. Uh, I wasn't a big college football fan as a kid for some reason. I, I don't know why. 
But uh, I think we were, you know, kind of into our own thing and, and never paid much attention to college. But uh, I had five or six schools that I was really interested in. Uh, took a, a trip to Texas Christian, uh, what I really liked for some reason. You know, uh, of course, the game I went to, <laughs> TCU played. Here's a great story. TCU played Texas. TCU was 0-10 the year before. A guy named Schaffner was the coach. So they brought, you know, the guys in, recruited us. You know, we were met at the airport, you know, by a female, whatever, you know. And uh, they lost 86 to 7 or something. <laughs> I keep saying 92, but my son said, no, it wasn't 92, it was 80-something. So uh, they lost. They got crushed. And, uh, you know, we get in. and So it was, it was pretty comical. But, uh, you know, when it came down to finally make a decision, it was a pretty simple decision. I, you know, I decided, you know, it just – I'm going to Penn state and that's how it's going to be. So uh, it's it just kind of one of those spur of the day things where oh, I decided this is where I'm going. So when you arrive at Penn state is the transition. Now you talked about how successful your team was and you were in high school, but was it a big transition to the college game for you? Well, all, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, but we caught on pretty quick. Cause you know, I played in the big 33 game right before we went to uh, back then we played Ohio and we, we played in the big 33 game, probably about two weeks or a week and a half I, sometime in July before we went up, up to state college uh, freshman came in a little early. And uh, I think I had 11 or 12 teammates that played in the big 33 game. So I had a lot of friends right off the bat. And obviously it's a big transition. You know, you go to big time college football and, uh, uh, you know, it's it's like jumping from from college to pro. You know, it's a big transition. And uh, but but we caught on. You know, we 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 uh, a lot of good people, a lot of people helping you out. A lot of you know, you didn't go there and and the seniors and juniors were ah, you know, here's a young freshman kid trying to take my job. It wasn't like that. You know, everybody's there to help. And the transition, quite honestly, even though it was hard, it was easy. It, you know, it, it just kind of happened to flow. And everything, you know, that I can remember from, you know, I remember how long ago it was, but 40 some years ago, uh, it, it, I remember any positive things about it. So you go to Penn State, which, you know, fairly or unfairly under Joe Paterno was looked at as a conservative type offense. You're a fast wide receiver. Did you feel comfortable in the offense? I did because back at high school, I was a running back. We ran the old Delaware ring tee, so we ran them all the time. But I knew at, at, at six foot, you know, 185 pounds. I wasn't going to be a running back. Uh, so, you know, Chuck Fusina, who was our quarterback, you know, was a good buddy of mine. And, you know, we worked a lot together and he ended up playing a lot as a freshman. But, you know, it was what it was, you know, just the opportunity to go out and play. You know, we were very good blockers. You know, we had to block a lot. So we enjoyed blocking, trying to knock people down, you know, trying to. Uh, but but on third downs, it was it was, you know, time to possibly catch the ball. Uh, the one, the one story I have, which really, we were playing um, Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl, and of course, like you said, third down was kind of when we threw the ball. You know, we we weren't first day. You know, we didn't do a lot of play action. So, so uh, we we're playing Notre Dame the Gator Bowl, and we did. We we're that's back when we were only throwing on third. I think Jimmy Cephalo was on the other side of me, and I was also the punter. I punted for three years at Penn State. So Joe started taking me out of the game on third down to rest. So I, so I would be rested for punting. And, you know, that was like the, man, I, that, that, that was like my biggest disappointment at Penn State. I was pissed off. 
So, uh, yeah, so so uh, that, that's a funny story. It took me out uh, for a while. And, of course, I got with one of the other coaches and couldn't understand it all. But, uh, yeah, it was all good. But, uh, yeah, that, you know, we were conservative. We were, you know, ran the ball up, up the middle, ran the ball. We had a lot of good running back, Matsui, Mike Goon, a lot, of, a lot of really good players. But, you know, I was just thankful that I got the opportunity. You know, it would, would have been nice to catch 100 a year. But, you know, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so I'm curious, how do you think you would uh, you would fare in today's college football game as a wide it's receiver. hard it's it's hard to say you know those guys are such fantastic athletes you know and and the training and you know just every single position not not just a wide receiver but linemen you know you got these linemen running four six and four seven and they're 350 pounds and uh it's hard to say i would like to say that i I'd, I'd be able to compete um but i, I but i don't know you know i i could be maybe like you know, with the Eagles, my second year, I was just kind of breaking into the starting lineup. I was kind of alternating with Charlie Homeboy Smith and, and coach from I, I was breaking in as the starter. And then I broke my foot the fourth game of the season. And, you know, I never really kind of started getting back into it. I rebroke it, started in the playoffs against Minnesota, rebroke it, you know, came back after surgery and I was going to start to play again. And uh, that's when I went through that uh, uh Oh, I don't even remember what they called it, but they had to put me on waiver procedural waivers and I was picked up by the chargers. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I'd love to say, yeah, I'd be a superstar out there, but you know, maybe I wouldn't make a team. I I just really don't know. (laughs) What going back to Penn state, what was it like to play for Joe Paterno? Well, I loved it. I I love Penn state. I love my years at Penn state. Uh, here again, we were pretty successful. You know, we got to play in four bowl games. I got to play in two two college all-star games, the Hula Bowl and the Japan Bowl. And, you know, Joe was tough. The, the thing about when you're a freshman and you go up to Penn State, you're, back when Joe Paterno was the coach, was, you know, you're you're scared of the head coach. You're scared of Joe, okay, because, <laughs> uh, you know, everything you hear about and, and what you know about him. So um, you go up running scared, which is probably a good thing, you know. So, so you're doing things right. You know, you learn a lot, learned a lot from him, learned a lot be on time, you know, do your homework, be good to your parents. You know, there's a lot of stupid little things that you learn from them that as a 64 year old guy now that I try to instill into my kids. And that's something that, you know, I learned my college years. So, so I, I really, I, I'm a Joe Paterno fan. <laughs> so. so your time at Penn state, you talk about all the success during your stretch there. One of the classic games had to be that sugar bowl against Alabama. Uh, in the national for the national championship, that was a game that, you know, I worked up in state college for a couple of years and you mentioned that game to people and their eye starts to twitch because of the, <laughs> the frustration and the damage it did. The game you guys lost, I think, 14 to seven. Uh, it's the infamous goal line stand where Joe got conservative at the goal line and Alabama kept you out. What are your memories of that game? I know you scored the only touchdown. Well, I mine aren't memories. They're like every week. Uh it's not that I'm depressed or anything from losing the game uh, because the next day after the game, Fusina and myself and Matt Barr flew to Hawaii for the Hula Bowl. So we forgot about it quick, but, but I'm the guy that caught the pass down at the half one yard line on first down or whatever, and got knocked out of bounds by the guy from Alabama. And then we went on one, two, three and didn't score. So, I'm constantly hearing about that. You know, why didn't you get in? You know, people make fun of me, which it's all good. You know, it, it's cool. But, uh, you know, that, that's a game we probably should have won. Uh, uh, 
we got too conservative. I mean, we should have scored a touchdown there and it tied the game. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was a great football game. A lot of the Alabama fan, uh, players uh, I went on to, to actually play with. A couple guys were in San Diego when I was out there and became fairly good friends with a bunch of the guys. So, you know, it was a great experience. Would have been awfully nice if we could have been said we were national champs, you know, because played for national championship, was on the Eagles Super Bowl team. You know, we lost that one. Would have been nice if a couple things would have turned around for me, though. <laughs> so after your college career, Eagles draft you fifth round in 79. What was the draft process like for you? I know the draft is obviously yeah, well, yeah, well, not anything like what it is now back in 1979. Yeah, well, I was uh, living with four guys in, in an apartment in, in State College, uh, and we were just – it was a typical day. I was in class. Uh, I remember I was – we were seniors, so our classes were, you know, we're pretty much done with school. So I was, I was in the gymnastics class, believe it or not, and I had twisted my ankle doing something stupid. So, uh, but, but I came back. Uh, I, I all I can remember is I came back from the class. You know, it was icing my ankle, and I got a call from Carl Peterson's secretary, a girl named Debbie Antoneski. I think she was a cheerleader at Penn State the year before, so I kind of knew her. But she called me, you know, said, had, you know, Eagles were drafting. And then, and I got in the phone with, I think, Vermeil and Carl Peterson, just real quick, you know, and they drafted me. And so that was all pretty cool. You know, I, I had no idea where I, you know, like nowadays, you know, a lot of guys have a pretty good idea where they might go. Uh, you know, I was fourth to sixth round or something, you know, uh, and, and, you know, go, going to the Eagles was awesome, you know, staying close to home. Uh Knew there were a lot of Penn State people in that area. My family was, you know, from from two hours away, so it was it was um, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So, when you get the training camp with the Eagles, first I'm curious because I know Dick Vermeil was notorious during his Eagles years as head coach for really working you hard during training camp. What's that first NFL camp like? Um, tough, especially with Dick Vermeil. We were at Chester, PA, and, um, um, you know, we worked our butts off. Uh, 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 you know, we, we worked, I don't remember, three hours in the morning, three hours at night, in the afternoon, and we'd meet for two or three hours, I can remember, and it was, camp was tough, you know, and, and, and as a rookie, fifth rounder, you know, you don't know whether you're going to make it. So, you know, it's kind of stressful the whole time. And then you, you like you're saying, you're, we talked earlier, you're jumping from high school or from, from high school to college. Now you're jumping from college to the pros, you know, and you're going in the locker room and there's 35, 36 year old guys, you know, back then, you know, a couple of guys smoking in the locker room, you know, stuff like that. So it was a lot, it was an eye opener, especially coming from Penn state where, you know, we pretty much did everything by the book and, and, uh, so, so, uh, rookie year as a camp, a rookie camp, uh, was a tough one. Absolutely. You, you join a wide receiver core that obviously is headlined by Harold Carmichael. What's it like playing with him and, you know, kind of watching him in that first camp? Well, Harold, yeah, I always knew of Harold Carmichael and, uh, uh, uh it, it was as a young, as a young receiver, of course, you know, he was what, five, eight. Or six eight, you know, he was he was quite unique, so you couldn't really emulate him. But uh, Harold was always great, you know. He he was a guy that really didn't have to 
pay a whole lot of attention. It could have been aloof to, to the younger guys, but, but my locker was beside Harold and, and, uh, he was always great. He would help wherever he could. Uh, I'd always bring him donuts. I mean, I still see him sometimes at a few golf tournaments and we talk about me bringing him donuts and stuff, but, uh, Harold was fantastic. I mean, all pro hall of fame guy. He, he, he was, and I still see him every so, and he's still just the greatest guy. Yeah. So when did you realize, you know, you mentioned fifth round, you don't know if you're going to make the team. Was there a moment when it was like, you're told you're going to make it or does just nobody that first camp come and tell you to bring your playbook coach Vermeil wants to see it kind of, how did you, you know, make the team learn you made it. Yeah. Back then, back then when you were cut, uh, I recall they would come to your room with a pink slip back then, <laughs> like come to room three Oh two and they, Kenny Johnson, you know, coach would like to see you take, yeah. And I never got that. I remember we broke camp and he still didn't know, you know, we broke camp, uh, whatever it was a Saturday after our last preseason game broke camp. And, uh, um, I think I went home because I wasn't quite sure where, if I was going to stay there or I was done. I think I came back to Redline for the day or two and I never heard. So I was, I went back to Monday and had made the team, but I don't recall getting a call saying, Hey man, congratulations. You made it. I just never got the call that said, Hey, you didn't make it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious once it transitions to camp to preparing for, for week one of your rookie season, could you, did, did it feel different? Yes, it did. Once you made it, your confidence level just skyrockets a hundred percent, you know, once, you know, and you're always on your toes as a young guy, because, you know, they're always, they're bringing people in all the time. They're bringing guys in that were cut the last cuts from other teams and, you know, just to work them out. And so, so, you know, you're always on your toes and you always got to get better uh, as a backup player. You know, we did, we, we, we ran uh, uh, a lot of, uh, scout team so you had to excel on that and that's where you you became a, a really good football player working really hard you know on, on scout work and, and things like that so uh but yeah I think probably three or four weeks into it I really started feeling comfortable thinking that you know I'm I fit in I fit in I can play uh and they're going to give me an opportunity so so uh I, I think probably two three four weeks into it is when you really start feeling more comfortable so we talked about Joe Paterno. What's it like to play for Dick Vermeil? Uh, here again, I, I was so fortunate. You, you'll you'll go on the third coach I played with eventually, probably. But but uh, Coach Vermeil's fabulous. I mean, congratulations going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, uh, you know, he, he was great. He was tough though. You know, nobody worked as hard as Coach Vermeil, and because he worked so hard, then his team had to work so hard. And you know, I. I spent a little bit of time in San Diego and, and it was like two opposite ends. You know, we, we worked our tails off three hours on the field and during the season, two and a half, three hours meetings out, out on the West coast, you know, you cut that in about a third. So, uh, but I love Dick Vermeil. He was a great coach. He was a great human being, uh, a great person. You know, we see him every so often again, uh, I get to catch up with guys at, at some charity golf tournaments and uh, um, you know, Dick's just fabulous. You know, he's, he, he asks about you. He asks about your family. He's concerned about you. And, uh, you know, it's all real. So I think that your rookie year, you caught like eight passes. And do you remember your first touchdown? I think it came like last game or second to last game. Was it season. against Denver? 
I think it was against the Oilers against Houston. Okay. Okay. I remember a little bit about Houston. I remember touchdowns against Denver because I got a picture of it. (laughs) I think I still do. Uh, um, I remember a catch against uh, uh, Houston uh, because I I actually had a picture of that too. But uh, uh, it's hard. It's hard to remember a lot about it. You know, I I remember more about running across across the middle in St. Louis and breaking my foot. And then I remember more about running an out route and catching the ball and breaking my foot against uh, the Vikings. But uh, um, I remember a Denver touchdown catch uh, only because it was about a 50, 60 yarder. And I did the exact same thing against the exact same guys when I was in San Diego. <laughs> with, uh, scored, scored about a 50, 60 yarder from Dan Fouts. So, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of good, lot of good memories, just a lot of good memories about everything other than, than just, you know, on the field football stuff. Like a lot of guys say, the camaraderie in, in the locker room, you know, the friends you made, you know, even though I only spent a little bit of time there, you know, some of those guys are, are still buddies of mine. You know, Spags, John Spagnola I live with. Um, I spent a little time. This is a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans around here. And I spent a little time in training camp rooming with Bill Cower. Uh, he, I think he was a free agent. I can't remember if he's a free agent with Eagles at the beginning then he got cut and went to Cleveland and, you know, was shot and got all his coats and things. But uh, so there's a lot, a lot of, uh, of really great friendships that, that I had in those, in those years that you still have. So you mentioned you get hurt in 80. I'm curious. The one thing about the Vermeule years, there was just this slow build every year, better every year, another step. So when you're coming into the 80 season, did you feel like you guys had something really special? Well, I really didn't know, uh, uh, quite honestly, because we had a pretty good year, uh, 79. Uh, I knew we had the chance, you know, in football, you know, you lose a couple players, or, you know, things can 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 uh, drop. But uh, I think personally, I knew that we had a chance to get to the Super Bowl. Who knows? You know, we always knew the Cowboys were pretty good. as pretty good rivalry. The Redskins were pretty good. as pretty good rivalry in, in our division. Uh I think we knew that because because we were going up the hill, we were going up the mountain. Now we always had a chance, but but you know things got to fall into place to make it to the Super Bowl. Injuries, a little bit of luck, but but I know we had the personnel to do it. The quarterback is Ron Jaworski. What's he like catching passes from? Well, Jaws is great. I wish I would have called a lot more, but you know it is what it is. But Jaws, you know, he was a great quarterback. He was a great leader. And, you know, he, he had a, a strong ball. Um, and he, he, you know, he was, he was like Carmichael. You know, you came in, he was starting quarterback for the Eagles, you know. <laughs> but but he, he welcomed you. He welcomed you with open arms. And he would do anything he could to help you, to help you become a better player. And, uh, you know, is another guy I see around a good bit. You know, Jaws is pretty – pretty active in the area. And uh, so I get the opportunity to see him. He's always great to see him every so often. You mentioned the injury. Yeah, I think it was week four. Uh, you get hurt against the Cardinals and you had scored touchdowns the first couple games of the season. You mentioned you're rotating in. Uh, you're becoming a big part of the offense. When you get hurt, do you realize right away that it's something pretty serious? Well, I think I did because it was, I broke that and then it's a pretty common injury and a lot of basketball, that fifth metatarsal uh, in, in your foot. I think I had some stress fractures, probably just 
from cutting and and and, and I just cut on and eventually popped on me. So uh well I knew I knew it was an injury. I thought maybe just because it was a broken bone, I'd be six or seven weeks and come back. But because of the bone, the thin bone that was on, it, it's a little bit more serious uh, uh, sometimes to heal. And there's always potential to break it again and unless you have surgery. And unfortunately, I came back and had a lot of really good opportunities again, kind of jumped right back in there and, and then rebroke it. So, What was the rehab like the first time you heard it? Well, the first time was just, uh, we stayed off it for a little while. I wore a boot, if I recall. And then, you know, after about two weeks, you were, it was, it was pretty, pretty normal. Uh, I couldn't run, uh, but we did uh, Ronnie O'Neill and Otho Davis. I don't know if you remember their names or not. Mm -hmm. Otho, of course, Otho, of course, was, you know, Hall of Fame uh, trainer. And Ronnie O'Neill was his assistant, who was a, a fantastic trainer too. And you know, I just did a lot of training with those guys. You know, we had all the old, whatever the old machines we had back then, <laughs> you know, a lot of working out with the legs and, and weightlifting and, uh, you know, eventually working my way back into running and, and, and cutting. And, uh, uh, what I, what, what was it? I came back. Did I come back for the play? I can't even remember when I came back, maybe for the playoffs, but it was, it was probably what, eight, 10, 10 weeks. And it still wasn't completely healed. <laughs> Could you tell that? Like when you're no, running? I didn't know. I had no idea. Cause I was pretty excited. And I think maybe I lost, I wasn't running quite as fast. I think once I broke my foot, I might've lost a little bit of speed. Um, for some reason, the second time also, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, I, you always feel like you're, you're back to hundred percent, but I don't think you are. I think anything time you get an injury or something like that, it takes a little bit longer than you think you, you, you think you're at a hundred and you're really at 80. So, uh, but I was playing, you know, I started, I actually started against the Vikings and, uh, um, in the playoffs and, um, uh, thought, thought I was back to normal, but obviously I wasn't. Yeah. That was the divisional game against the Vikings at the vet. And, right. and then, uh, we, yeah, then we went on and beat Dallas, I think the next week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, and so you, it was the exact same injury the second time. Yeah. The same place. Yeah. Exact same, but yeah. Fifth Metatarsal back exact same spot. Yeah. So that game and this game kind of gets swallowed up by history because of so much focus, obviously on Dallas and the Super Bowl. Right. But you guys, there was all this excitement and Minnesota punched you guys in the mouth. It was 14, nothing. And things were looking bleak. Do you remember how that yeah. game turned around or obviously you get hurt and that's the main I, focus. I remember the beginning of it, how they were you, just like you said, they, they were punching us in the mouth. Uh, all over the place and and it was bleak early on and then I, I don't remember if I got hurt in the second quarter or whatever it was uh but uh, uh fortunately we came back I think I missed a lot of it because I was back in the locker room probably came out near the end but uh uh yeah we were lucky yeah we very very well could have lost I remember they were tough they were they were tough of course everybody's physical in the NFL but they were they were a very physical team uh, I remember when I was out there playing yeah they were they were coming after us the second time you hurt the foot, is it more difficult to deal with than the first time? Well, this one was because, well, then we beat Dallas. You know, we we're in the playoffs. Right. We beat Dallas. We're going to the Super Bowl. And, and that was about the time I was looking at having surgery. So uh, we put it off for we put it off so I could go down to the uh, Super Bowl and, you know, spend spend the Super Bowl with the team uh, and everything. But, uh, yeah, you know, second second time. You know, you're thinking, gosh, 
is this going to continue to happen? What do I need to do now? You know, it's happened twice. I ended up having to have surgery. Uh, they had the, the doctor uh, for the Eagles back there. Then there's a guy named Vince DiStefano. Uh, and we ended up taking bone out of my hip, bone graft, taking bone out of my hip and cutting out a little block in there and putting a good fresh bone in there. Yeah, I was always concerned that, um, you know, it's just what's going to happen with this? Is it, you know, life threatening <laughs> for my football career or what? But, you know, I came back. But like I said, I came back and I was never quite as fast as I was when, when earlier. So the Super Bowl. You know, well, first of all, even from not playing, but what was the energy like for that Dallas game? Oh, it was, it was, um, the the energy for the Dallas game was nuts. Uh, There's no way we were going to lose that game. Um, You know, first of all, Philly, Dallas, I don't know how their rivals are now, but back then it was crazy. It was crazy nuts. The city was crazy. You know, we we were just emotional and, and ready to play. Coach Vermeil, you know, had us had us ready to play, and uh, you know, you, you beat Dallas and you go to Super Bowl. <laughs> so so you're you're killing two birds with one stone right there. You know, you're beating the Dallas Cowboys, who you know they have more of a history of of the playoffs and the Super Bowl than, than the Philadelphia Eagles. And and uh, there's no way we're going to lose that game. Wilbur Montgomery, remember Wilbur Montgomery had a great game. He he just ran all over the Cowboys and. Uh, uh, it, it was it was pretty exciting. It was even standing on the sidelines watching, it was pretty fun. That being said, I, I over the years you've heard people talk about leading up to the Super Bowl, and that the you could sense the guys were tight, and I think Coach Vermeil was still having pretty intense practices and maybe some fatigue. Could you notice that the the vibe was off leading up to the Super Bowl against the Raiders? I didn't didn't really notice it till the game, uh, and and. A lot of people talked about it. Uh, the Oakland Raiders were out till five in the morning. You know, they, they were there. They were the Oakland Raiders. You know, they were doing their thing. Uh, the Eagles were practicing for three and a half hours, <laughs> uh, meeting, meeting in the morning. You know, we were doing the same routine that we did. I think uh, for some reason, I think it was a two week in between mm-hmm. games back then. And I think we might have spent a couple of days in Tampa because it was cold up home. So we went to Tampa to train for, I don't know, a week or five days or four days or something. And uh, uh, so it was, it was all out and, you know, we might've been, you know, who who am I to say, but uh, come game time, we might've been worn out and they were their old fresh, you know, crazy guy, crazy Oakland Raiders. Time for a break on -on one-on-one. We will continue our conversation with former Eagles wide receiver, Scott Fitzke, right after this. And we are back. Our guest this week is former Penn State Eagles and Philadelphia Stars wide receiver Scott Fitzke. How frustrating is it having to watch a Super Bowl and not be able to play? Oh, it is. It's, you know, it's that's probably, you know, one thing that that I don't regret it because there's nothing I can do about it. But, you know, I, I just one thing in my life, you know, I've been I've been very fortunate with, you know, things that in, in my life. And uh, if, if there's something I regret, it's, it's not being able to be in that game. Cause you know, I tell people, yeah, I was on the Super Bowl team. Yeah. But I didn't play. <laughs> you know, I went in the game. I was on the team, you know, and I probably, I would have started that game because Charlie Smith, who, who Charlie Smith, um, he broke his jaw. I don't know if you remember 
He broke his jaw maybe in the Dallas game. I can't remember. Or maybe even but but Charlie broke his jaw, so I would have been the I would have been the main guy besides Harold. Uh Rodney Parker. I don't remember Rodney Parker. Remember that name at all? Caught Played the touchdown. They got called back. Yeah, that would have been my, that would have been me when I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have called touchdown, but yeah, but Rodney was the guy behind me even yet. Uh, so he, we were the four receivers uh, and Wally Henry was, but he never really played receiver. He was a return man. So uh, anyway, yeah, that, that's, that's something that, you know, I don't, I don't think about it, much, you know, but it's something that would have been really cool if I would have been able to play. So you mentioned the Chargers. You end up getting picked up by the Chargers after the procedural waiver situation. Uh, you spent a couple of years in San Diego. You're going to another place with a great quarterback in Dan Fouts. What are your couple of years with the Chargers like? It was a lot of fun. Um, it's tough to break. It's tough to break into a receiver lineup in San Diego <laughs> back then. Uh, I back a Charlie Joyner Hall of Famer, West Chandler. Hall of Famer, uh, Winslow Hall of Famer, you know, Dan Fouts Hall of Famer. But it was, it was great in San Diego. You know, uh, we didn't work as hard, which, I, you know, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Um, but, you know, you move out to San Diego, caught on with some guys. John Capaletti was on the team uh, who was, you know, obviously a Heisman guy at Penn State and uh, uh, one or two other guys. And they kind of took me under their wing right off the bat, and, you know, the, the – just like it happened in Philly with, with some of the guys. But uh, so San Diego was a blast playing on the team, just watching. Cause I basically played special teams, got into a couple games. Uh, they didn't substitute much cause they were scoring 55, but they were giving up 52. Right. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, but uh, you know, it was really cool to be part of back when I was there is they were breaking all the passing records, you know, and right. I was part of the group, you know, I don't have a whole lot of yards and catches and everything, but I was part of that group. So it was uh it was um, it was pretty awesome time, yeah. So after a couple of years in San Diego, you end up back in Philadelphia with the Philadelphia Stars in the Upstart USFL. Kind of what comes together is the USFL something that you heard about, wanted to pursue? Did somebody come to you? Kind of how did you get your foot in the door in in the new league? Well, um, I was actually a free agent. My contract had expired, so my options were you know, renegotiating with San Diego uh, or Carl Peterson, who drafted me with the Eagles now was the president of the stars. Um, he had contacted me cause I was a free agent. So, um, and the way the USFL was set up back then, there was like two or three teams that had to go like colleges that had to go to, I don't know if you recall that, like this, this Philadelphia had North Carolina, Penn state temple, so, so they were bringing in a bunch of Penn State guys. They brought in Fusina, who who is my buddy and quarterback at Penn State. And, uh, you know, I started doing this by myself, started, you know, our season was on. I was a free agent. I probably, I mean, I would love to stay in San Diego and be, you know, I've been happy being a backup and playing special teams. and But I, I didn't see myself really having a whole lot of opportunity to be a player. And you never knew out there because of, because of their fast pace, you know, who are they, were they going to draft two receivers in the first round? You know, yeah, I just, it was uncertain. It was uncertain. Uh, I love Corey Howe and everybody, but uh, so I talked to Carl, gave me a little bit more money, had the opportunity to come back home and hook back up with a lot of old college players and and come back home. Uh, 
even though, you know, it's pretty hard to leave San Diego. And that's pretty much how it worked. We, we negotiated some, some stuff. Uh, I was a little concerned with the league. Uh, we had some personal services contracts with Mr. Tannenbaum, who was the owner of the team, and uh, just to make sure that I was going to get paid. And uh, it all worked out really good. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. You know, yeah. it's a it's a new league. It's, you know, uh, even though there's a lot of big names, did did was there trepidation that, you know, oh, boy, could I wake up, you know, in two months and read in the paper that the, the league's gone belly up? I think there was a little, but not really a lot, because once we went to training camp, we went down to training camp uh, in DeLand, Florida, and I don't think we really thought about that a lot. I think my my contract, the way it was written, kind of covered my butt in case something happened uh, with with the owner. Um, it gave me a little more confidence to come back and do that, that I wasn't going to get screwed over. So, uh, you know, once we got to training camp and, you know, it was all pretty professional, you know, it was first class. The Stars were a first class organization uh, as well run as, as any of them. And, uh, um, you know, we went on and we had three really, really successful years. So it was here again. How lucky am I? Three more years in the USFL and three more years of playoffs. Just every year in the NFL playoffs. So it was pretty, uh, pretty lucky. How's the USFL? Now you're playing for Jim Mora in the USFL, another legendary coach, but is it a different feel than the NFL? I think it was a little bit different. You know, it was, uh, you know, we, we had a lot of NFL guys come over, you know, the generals had a lot of NFL, Birmingham, a lot of NFL, but I think it was, it was just, well, first of all, we weren't getting 70,000 people to our games, you know, early or early on, we drew pretty well you know, maybe 40, 43, or, you know, it kind of dwindled. Uh, we played in the spring, which made it kind of feel a little bit different. You know, we weren't playing in football season that we played our whole lives. Uh, and, and, you know, it wasn't quite, you know, I don't care who says what. Uh, I don't see us competing in the NFL. You know, our team probably could have competed maybe with the lower teams. I don't know if we would have beaten them or not. Who knows? But uh uh, we could have competed, but it was, you know, it was a, a little bit of a lower league and, and and we knew it, but, you know, we were still getting paid to play football. So. And you mentioned Chuck Fusini, your quarterback at Penn State. You guys really develop a rapport and really for the first time as a pro, you're able to show what you can do. How much fun was that to just kind of be uh, oh, yeah. a consistent target at the professional level? Finally, well, I, I you know, that, that that made it fun, you know, besides that, besides we won a lot, like I said earlier, you know, when you win, it's a whole hell of a lot different than if you lose. So, uh, so that made it fun. And like I said, I was around a lot of buddies and Chuck and I, you know, we were, we were really good friends at, at Penn state and uh, stayed in touch when he, you know, he spent a bunch of years uh, with the, with the bucks and Tampa Bay and some, some other teams, but uh, uh, you know, that, that made it fun having an opportunity to go out and, and help the team win, being able to compete actually on the field and, uh, uh, you know, help our team win football games. Uh, you know, that's shoot. That's why you play the game. When it comes to like on the field memories from the USFL game memories, what are the first couple that will always stick with you? Well, our first game, we went to Denver and played the Denver gold and it's snowing like a son of a gun. And I don't remember the exact story, but I remember us getting stuck in the snowstorm and we couldn't land 
we had to land somewhere else. And that was like our first game. And it was just a, a, a nightmare. <laughs> We're thinking, you know, it ended up working out. We ended up playing the game, but uh, a huge snowstorm. Uh, I remember um, one of our playoff games and when we were down, and you see it sometimes on, on some highlights, we were down like 41 to 17 at home at, at the vet, and we came to playoff. I don't know if it was George Allen's team. I can't remember who it was against. Might have been in the Chicago Blitzers. We came back after being down 41 to 17 and won 44 to 41. And you know, some pretty crazy games. And then, uh, uh, you know, our championship game up at the Meadowlands against the Michigan Panthers, you know, winning the championship. So there's a lot of great, great memories of that league. You know, we, we, uh, we had a lot of really good players and, and we had some great coach, you know, the t- majority of those coaches went on to coach in the NFL. So uh, uh, some of them still are, you know, unfortunately, some of them have passed away. But, uh, you know, Jim Moore, Jim Moore Jr. was a kid that used to hang around all the time. You know, he was a kid that went to, went to high school over in New Jersey. And, and uh, you know, look at him. He's, you know, he's doing pretty well. He's back at Connecticut coaching. So a uh, lot, lot of really great memories. Like I said a lot earlier in, in our in our talk, uh I've been extremely fortunate, especially in my football career. That's the thing. Like everywhere you went, you talked about high school, how successful you were. And obviously Penn state and those years with the Eagles, those years with the chargers. Is there a point in your career where you kind of realize that winning at the level you're winning is not usual that having this, being a part of all these teams that are so successful because i would imagine there's a part of you that you just get kind of so used to you just expect this is how it is but it's not well i think years and years after i got out is is when you know when you start reminiscing when you're playing you don't really think about it you know it's it's part of it but years after you get out you know when you start talking to people and you get older and you get older and you start reminiscing and uh, about, you know, those kind of things. And, and, you know, you, you, you're talking to people and, you know, you're talking to kids that you're coaching and, uh, you start to realize that, you know, that's pretty awesome. You know, it, it, it wasn't an exceptionally long career, but every year, you know, we were, my team was, and I was part of that team that was top of the heap of whatever league we were in. And we got to play in bowl games and, championship games and Super Bowls and, and USFL championships. So it was every single year I played. So that, yeah, that, the older you get, the more, the more you value that. We need to take another break on one-on-one. We will have more with Scott Fitzke right after this. And we are back. Our guest on one-on-one this week, former Eagles wide receiver, Scott Fitzke. You mentioned you guys won the USFL title. You played for the title the first year. You won it the second year. Uh, and did you win it the third year in Baltimore? Yeah, we, we won it. And you won it in Baltimore, too. We won it to let, yeah, when we were the Baltimore, when we were practicing Philly and played down at College Park, yeah, we we won it uh, up in the, that's when we beat Michigan up in the Meadowlands. What was, you mentioned that, because I vaguely remember that the third year, like, was that crazy? You're working in the town you've been working, but you're playing somewhere else. Was that kind of a red yeah. flag to you that things it, might it be going kind of sideways? It wasn't a red flag. It, it, it just what it was, you know, it, it's how it had to be. You know, we actually practiced, we didn't practice at the vet anymore. We practiced over at Penn, uh, over at, Penn, at University of Pennsylvania. <laughs> so 
we we did everything over there, and and then we took buses. Our home games stayed in a day's inter stayed down there, and uh, uh, it was some crazy, you know, traveling. I think Saturdays we would drive down there, and uh, the, the the hardest thing was sun. Whenever the games were Saturdays or Sundays, or whenever they were, we would you'd have to get your home game. You had to drive three hours back home, and and if you got hurt, or I, I remember getting a concussion one game, and they ended up having to take me to the hospital. I went up to York, Pennsylvania, and ended up the hospital with there, you know, because so that was the only negative. I think all the traveling and everything, we just kind of took it for granted. That's what we had to do, and, and we didn't have any choice, so we did it, you know, and and uh, and, and we persevered and, and had a pretty good year. When did you learn that the league was going to be no more? I think cl- close to you know, when it was coming down, you know, you hear it all kind of stuff as the lawsuit was going on. And, 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 uh, so you're, you're, you heard negatives, positives Ah, we're going to win it. You know, we're going Baltimore's going to merge with the NFL, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but then, you know, when the verdict came out, it was kind of a joke and, and we all kind of knew when the verdict came out, Hey, we won, we won. Yeah. But we won you know, $3 or whatever. Right. The antitrust and, uh, lawsuit. And, yeah. And the, uh, you know, Trump was involved and, and, uh, you know, he kind of got that thing messed up for us. But anyway, um, I think back and I don't even know when that was, was that August or I, I, I can't remember when all that was, but I, I think right near lawsuit, all that kind of time is we had an idea that looked, better start looking whether you want to go back into the NFL or do something else or just retire and then see how it comes out. And then, and you guys had switched to the fall, right? We were gonna, yeah. Yeah. You were going to, uh, huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think we had it, we got a new owner because I had dinner with him and I moved to Baltimore myself and John McGuire, who was our film guy who, who, uh, was at the Naval Academy for a long, long time and, and at Rutgers, but he, um, we moved to Baltimore, the two of us to start promoting, you know, and, and, uh, and I think the stars were bought by Stephen, the guy who owns the dolphins, Ross, Stephen Ross bought the stars. Okay. I don't know if you ever knew that because he came down, we all went to dinner one night and, and, uh, and then it all went away and then it all folded. So I don't know how all that ended up, but pretty sure Stephen Ross bought the stars. <laughs> who would you say, who were the, the top couple players for your money in the USFL? Well, obviously Herschel, even though we shut Herschel down every time we played him, uh, um, Kelvin Bryant was a heck of a player from our team. You know, unfortunately he didn't have a great NFL career. I think he had some neck problems. Uh, um, we had Irv Eatman was a great linebacker, a lineman, uh, Sammy Mills, you know, who, who's a hall of famer. Uh, the generals had a bunch of guys come over from Kansas, uh, Kansas city. And I can't remember all the names. Steve Young was in it. You know, Steve Young was a great player, even in our league. Jim Kelly, you know, threw for millions of yards in our league. So, uh, and a lot, a lot of really good. Jerry Holmes, who played for the Pittsburgh Maulers, was a really good player in the F. So there was, you know, there was 30% of the players, 30, 40% of the players were NFL players, you know, and, and 
ton, tons of our players went to the NFL and played afterwards. Bart Oates, uh, center for the New York Giants, Sean Landetta, you know, he punted for six, 6,000 years right. in the NFL. And, uh, so, so yeah, there, you know, there, there's Cliff, remember Cliff Stout, uh, went down to Birmingham, you know, he was a backup, uh, the Steelers for a long time and played down in Birmingham and, uh, Ed, Ed, uh, backup quarterback, Dan Fouts was, went down to Jacksonville because he was never going to play because Dan Fouts was there. But yeah, so there, there's a lot of them. I mean, if I could, if it wasn't 45 years ago, I could probably remember more. <laughs> I'm curious because the stars were such a well-run organization, but I've read books, watched shows, a lot of the other teams, there was a little bit of a fly-by-night feel. Did any friends in the league, did you have any stories from other people of, of kind of the, you know, better hurry up and get to the bank because only the first 20 checks are going to cash? Anything well, like well, that? Well, we do, we do have a couple stories, uh, and I probably read the same books you did. Uh, so those stories stick in my mind about some of the teams like down south who, you know, their pay, they were very concerned about, you know, get first of all, they didn't get their paychecks. And when they would get them, uh, first thing they would do when they would leave practice would, you know, everybody would hurry to the bank and, and put your check in the bank to make, but yeah, it sounded like there was quite a few teams that, 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 that had happened to, I know San Antonio and, and uh, you know, of course some of the teams were Boston one year, then new Orleans one year. And uh, so, yeah, I don't think, I think probably four, four or five of the teams uh, had it together and the other teams didn't. <laughs> So after the USFL, well, first of all, like when it goes away, are you distressed or just, you know, cause you go to the CFL next where you just like, all right, what's the next opportunity? Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I went, did I want to retire? Uh, didn't know what I did. Had a bunch of concussions throughout that, all that time period. So a buddy of mine, Chuck and I went up to Montreal, buddy of mine from Baltimore was a Canadian. Okay, he was a TV guy. So he knew the GM in Montreal. And he said, why don't you guys go up there and look? So Chuck and I went up. And uh, and this was that or try to get in the NFL. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know whether I didn't have a chance, quite honestly. You know, uh, it would take a lot of work. So we went up, worked out. They offered us both contracts. Chuck came home. I stayed. <laughs> okay, so... Montreal was great, but, uh, but the football, I mean, the football was good, but we were bringing players in left and right and they were playing. I came in, signed a contract on a Wednesday and played Saturday, right. Sunday. I started, I think I had two touchdown catches, but, but um, you know, we brought a new quarter quarterback from Alabama in and we were bringing new players in all the time. And, and we weren't winning a whole lot. I only stayed a couple games uh, and it was a little unorganized. Montreal was like I said before, great city, but, uh, that, that was it. Then I decided, you know, it's time for me to move on, uh, after my experience up there. And I'm just curious because the CFL, you're talking bigger end zones, bigger field. Was that difficult as a receiver to adjust to, or was it great? Cause you had more room to maneuver. Well, it, was, it was kind of fun, uh, because everything was much wider. And, and the only thing I had to learn is, is cause I was playing on one of those inside, you know, whatever the slot positions. And, and um, so you had to learn that going in motion thing all the time and not, you know, not going off sides. And, and like I said, I had no clue what I was doing. I think I called two touchdowns like the first game. I think we lost to somebody like 42 to 21 and 
you know, I was holding for, for the field goal kicker and, and, uh, but yeah, it was, it was fun. It was just a little disorganized. You know, we, half the guys from Canada were working in the morning so we could only practice certain times. You know, we could only practice like one to three because the guys, some of the guys had to work, you know, it's, yeah. And, uh, so, so it was, it was a fun experience of being up there for a little bit. It's fun that, that, that I gave it, gave it a shot. And just, you know, you talk about, you know, deciding to hang it up. Were you always at peace with that decision? Did you, you know, was there like a year later, a couple of years later, you start to get the itch or once you were done, you were done. Well, I think I, I knew, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good handle on it. I thought I, I knew I was done. Uh, sometimes I think, I wish I'd be playing now because there's a little bit more money involved, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I, I pretty much knew, you know, this is it. I'm done playing. I got to figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And how would you, how do you, when you kind of look at the, you know, the collection of your football career, you know, how do you kind of frame it? How do you look back on it? My, my, my only regret is that I got injured. Okay. Because if I wouldn't have got injured, I was playing pretty well and I don't really know how my career could have turned out. You know, I could have stayed, you know, of course, Dick left a couple, you know, two or three years after I left, but, uh, um, you know, things were really, really good. I was playing really well. Like I said, I was becoming a starter actually for an NFL team and, and, um, who knows? You know, I could have been a Dan, you know, a Danny, Danny Amadola or something. You know, I could have, I could, have, I could have played for 10, 11 years. I don't know. I have no idea, but that's the only thing I regret. But it's, I, you know, I, I regret it, but I don't regret it because I got hurt and that, that's how things are. You know, that's, 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 that's what happened. But uh, besides that, you know, I'm, I got to be thankful. I got to be thankful given the opportunities that I had. I got to be thankful that I, was, I had the ability to, to get, have those opportunities. Scott Fitzke, this was a ton of fun. Thanks so much for taking the time. All righty. Thank you. Appreciate it. That will do it for this week's episode. Many thanks to former Eagle Scott Fitzke for being our guest. Also, thanks to Steve Switkowitz. He's a player marketing rep who helped facilitate the interview with Scott. And if you're looking to book a player appearance, Steve can be reached at 610-703-8479. Now, if you like one-on-one and you listen on Apple Podcasts, want to help us out, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next time when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.